0: As we look to the things that God's doing around us, <clears throat> it's so encouraging uh, how God just uses ordinary people. And, uh, you know, it's is Remembrance Sunday. And, uh, you know, we, I don't, if you listened to uh, the service at all last night on the uh, TV and uh, saw what was happening there, there's some words that we speak out each year. Uh, the Remembrance Service uh, that, they, that they do, uh, was actually set in place uh, in the uh, 30s, and it's been the same order of service on Remembrance Sunday ever since. So that around the place, there'll be people doing exactly the same thing uh, today. We don't, but let's just speak out some of those words. It's, it's uh, for an extract from uh, Loris Binion, from, from, for, from For the Fallen. They'll not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. It's interesting, those words, aren't they? They're very poignant. I love people that can actually write properly, that give you a a sense in, in what they're writing of the feelings that are conveyed. The loss of someone. It's easy to uh, skate over these things, but you, you never get over the loss of someone. You go through it. You live with that loss the rest of your life. You'll never have a day without them. Uh, you'll never have a day back with them again. You'll always have, a, every day will be without that person. It's that loss is permanent. It eases, but it never goes away. You, you learn to live with it rather than... Uh, getting over it. Uh, It's the worst thing you can ever say to someone is uh, you'll get over it because that's that's not true. You learn to handle it right because we don't grieve as the world grieves. We have this hope and that's what sustains us. That's what gives us the future, that future hope that we don't just mourn like the world does who have no hope, but we have a hope that's secure, That's certain. We know where we're going. And uh, you know, when I was with uh, Kewal in India, we were just sort of seeing some of the amazing land. And uh, he was saying about his uh, his uh, his dad when he became when he became a Christian. Kewal was cut off from the family uh, wealth. And uh, we were looking and talking to the Rama director uh, about the uh, about the center. And this center is in, in, a, in uh, I think it's 40 um, acres of land or, or something like that. And it was 400,000 pounds to, to buy this land. And Kiwal said, my dad's land on its own is a million acres or something like that. Crazy. It was multiple millions. And I realized when, what it costs some people to make that decision to follow Christ. Because... His mum said on his father's death, you have no place because you left the family. And he said, I have a better inheritance. I know where I'm going, do you? And I just thought, Key, well, that is such a great testimony. That, you know, and, and he was able to talk to people in a variety of situations. You see, hurt and things going on affects us so much, don't they? But it's what you do when you get hurt that makes the difference. When people reject you, despise you, and all the rest of it. And, you know, on, on days like today, Remembrance <laughs> Sunday, we, we realise uh, how many things we take for granted. When we see films or we see programmes and the Remembrance Service, we realise what freedom we have, what a liberty we have, what a joy we actually have. The the care we have, you know, uh, as I say, up and down the UK, uh, wreaths have been laid and at uh, memorial stones, stones that were set up to remind the future generations that we should never behave in the same way. That's man's way of doing it. We should never do these things to one another. And yet, there's been more wars since then than there were even before then, and more people have died. If 2% of the population died in the Great War, and you just think how many have been affected since, it's, uh, it really is. Uh, it's important we ask the right questions. And I'm not just talking about the politics. The, you know, the armed forces, no matter the politics, when they're told go, they go. They don't have a chance, they don't have the choice about obedience. It's a command. Therefore, you go. And I just and that's why we need to honour. We need to honour those, whether you agree with the politics or not. That's, that's the point. We love the people that protect us. And, uh, but those stones, they're raised for the future generations, aren't they? We see those lists of names. And Claire and I, we went through um, France and Normandy a few years ago. And just the, uh, the fields, uh, the thousands of graves of people 20, 19, and younger, some of them. The, the sheer scale of the conflict really comes home. And uh, that's what it says. You know, We're, we're, we're to raise stones to remind us. We, we put these names. The names don't mean a lot to most of us, but to, to some people, those, those are precious. Those names written on stone are someone's family someone's loved one, someone that is no longer around. And and it's important for us to to remember that, the freedoms that we have in Christ, that we have in Christ. This is the the tremendous thing. In in Genesis uh, 28, we read about Jacob. Jacob had this uh, promise of the inheritance. He's stolen it and he's taken it. And we read in Genesis twenty-eight, he might have he's grabbed something, and he's had to run for his life. And it says that he at night he says in, in uh, Genesis twenty-eight, uh, it says he left uh, verse ten. He says he left Beersheba and set out for Haran, and he reached a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set, and taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with God. And God gave him some promises and spoke some stuff. And it says in verse 16, When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord's in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid. How awesome is this place. It is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. And he called that place Bethel. though the city used to be called Lutz. And he made a vow. You know, God is a God who interrupts us when we're not even seeking him. To a people that do not seek me, I've made known my name. That's an amazing promise. You know, and when we look at these stones, Bethel is the house of God. And that's what it means, the house of God. The stone that's set in the house of God. There's, there's something solid that's been set in the house of God. We know it's not a physical stone, it's a living stone. It's Jesus Christ, the stone that makes men stumble. But it's also the foundation stone. That's amazing, just think. Jacob put his head down to sleep that stone became a, a symbol of the presence of God. And as we understand the, the presence of God, we want to be those that are with where the anointing is, don't we? In the house of God. You know, we're raising our children to know these things. That's why it was called. It was, the name change was then for future generations. Instead of a, a place of almonds, a place of bitterness. Now the house of God. Names changing often are significant, the things that God wants to do. In Joshua chapter 4, Israel, having been following around the, the desert, all these promises that God gave them, not being fulfilled, because of the disobedience of a few people. Tens of people's disobedience affected a whole generation. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones of that generation able to go in to the promised land to receive the things that God was saying. How often is that the case, that there's only a handful of people who really stick out the course and really follow God to the end? But it says in Joshua 4, <clears throat> When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one for each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And it says in verse 7, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. memorial, a memorial that shows no one is missing from God's plans. And we understand God's plan for every single one of us, every one of those tribes, all 12, no matter their disobedience, no matter the things that have gone on, God got them to the place of crossing over the Jordan, crossing over with a miracle, with a river parted that was in complete flood just because the priest stepped in the water carrying the ark. That takes something sometimes. You know, the priest had to look. A river that's in flood is not something you want to step into lightly. Whether Woodbine, Willie, I mean, uh, you know, so non-PC these days, you know, smoking and all the rest of it. But to go out there in those situations with a cigarette for people that are dying. I mean, who's worried about a bit of cancer if if you're in the middle of dying, if something brings comfort to someone? But really, for those priests, take the ark and take that step forward into the river. The whole nation depended on them, standing in the gap. But because they did, all 12 tribes... And got the promised land. And that promise of God might take a bit of time to see fulfilled. There might be a flood. There might be problems around. But when we step in on God's word, when we step in on the things that God's saying, when we're obedient, then miracles happen and others are able to pass where we've gone because we make the way. Just by standing in the gap, by standing where God tells us to stand. It's a sign. It says in verse 24 of uh, Joshua 4, it says, He did this that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. And What happened next was the whole nation then circumcised themselves. They consecrated themselves to God's plan. A few people stepped into the water, bearing the ark, in obedience, and a whole nation consecrated themselves to God. When we pray for our nation, when we stand in the gap, when we pray in the mornings, the evenings, whatever you're doing, your prayer times, there's nothing insignificant <laughs> about it. You take a step forward and you stand in the gap on the land. Something is changing in our nation and in our heart and our place. That word that God spoke last week, if you haven't listened to the message, you need to hear it about the strong towers. I thought I went to India with a message for the, for, for the church out there. And what I found is that very message, I've now spoken three times here to leaders. And each time has brought a response of change, of a resetting of hearts, of pastors and leaders to working together and trusting God, and not holding on to their own hurts, their own mistakes, their own ministries, their own plans. And that's encouraging. Because I I kind of feel, it seems so small and significant to take that step forward, you know, and a bit of fear and trembling at times as well. And you speak out something from God, and you've got to trust that God's going to actually do the changing of the heart. You just turn to 1 Samuel 7, if you read the previous chapter, you'll see the ark of the Lord that Israel lost, that was taken into captivity, has been returned because the enemy can't hold on to the holy things of God. Holiness of God affects him. So the enemy, if you read through chapter 7, there the, the, the were tumors and cancers and all kinds of problems happened and they realized they've got to get this thing of God out of their place so the enemy cannot hold on to God's things. It causes them problems. It causes them failures. But God brought back the ark. And what happened? When the ark was returned to Israel, some people did something stupid. They looked into it. And they died. So all of Israel was in fear of this ark coming back into the land. And they gave it to one family to look after we read, uh, the, it says, So the men of Kiriath came up and took the ark of the Lord, in, in verse 1, chapter 7. 1 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 1. And they took it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his son to guard the ark of the Lord. And it was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained there. How crazy. The ark of the presence of God. The, the ark that contained the promises of God. It was sat there on the side instead of being sat where it should have been in the heart of Israel. Sat where only a few people could get blessed. And then it says in verse 3, Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then get rid of yourselves, of the foreign gods, the Ashtoreths, commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bowels, Ashterahs, and served the Lord. And then the Lord, uh, Samuel said, assemble all Israel, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And they, when they assembled, the Philistines heard about it, and they came up to attack them, it says in verse 7. You know, when you, we when you start doing the things of God, there is an enemy attack. He doesn't like us doing the things that God says. But what happened, Samuel, Samuel said, don't stop crying out to the Lord our God that he may rescue us. And then Samuel took up a suckling lamb in verse 9 and offered it up as a burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel and the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was burning the sacrifices, the the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, this is what he's referring to. Seek first the kingdom. These stones, the things, the memorial stones that we see are a memorial of a variety of things. One is God's goodness. No one's missing. He's the God who makes him known to those who don't even seek him. But to those who do seek his face, he brings deliverance. He brings salvation. And so what happened is that Samuel, it says in verse 12, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. How amazing. Samuel was able to set up a stone that the Lord is the one who will fight on your behalf when you seek his face. The stones that we see today, the wreaths are being laid in front of, are a sign of God's goodness. the, The stories, there are miracles that happen if you read through the history books. Miracles of how God protected, enabled people to go through those things. But often what's read is John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this. That he lays down his life for his friend. And Jesus said, you are my friends if you do these things. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Wow, what, a, what, what an amazing word. To a people that aren't seeking him. He makes himself known. To a people who have blown it and a whole generation has missed out, he says, not one be missing. Not one tribe be missing. To the people, when the enemy's coming in like a flood, instead of them running away, they sought God. He delivered. I don't know about you, but I I really believe that God is, is speaking some of that fresh today, don't you? Jesus, He instituted an even better memorial. One that it says, whenever you do it, in other words, it's not just on Sundays, whenever you take communion, we remember all that Jesus has done for us. This memorial is a stone of significance. Jesus says, he said to Peter, who do, I, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are God right here in our midst. And Jesus said, Peter, you, that wasn't revealed to you by man. That was revealed by God. And on that stone, on that stone, that confession, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What an amazing thing that we seek God, and He fights our enemies, but He gets another stone, the stone of our confession, and He's able to build amazing things with that stone. From that stone, we we have so much to be thankful for. The liberty that you're not on shaky ground. You're not on ground that's kind of going to move on you. The enemy, if he does come in, he's going to flee in different directions. He'll come in one and he'll go out in seven. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. We have this hope for the future.
1: The memorial stone is
0: when we didn't understand, he sought us. He made sure there was a place for everyone who turns for him. He dealt with our enemy, and he gives us everything we need so that we might know freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. The liberty of just calling on the name of God today. It says what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Remember, verse 11, you who were Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. In other words, those that a religious, I called you useless, no, non-religious, no hope. It says, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners of the covenants of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But, but, now, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near, through the blood of Jesus Christ. He himself is our peace, who's made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing it in his flesh, the law with its commandments, its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two and thus make peace. And then this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father
1: by the one Spirit. Wherever you're at,
0: Jesus today just wants to reach in and just touch your life afresh.
1: And mine. Just where you are. Just just close your eyes. You don't have to stand. Just just thank him. That you
0: didn't seek him. He sought. He looked. He came searching and may found you. And today, if you don't know Christ, if you've never really given your life over to him, you may have grown up in church, but today, right now, it's like your heart's beating faster. You're not quite sure what's going on. Am I, do I, what do I do? How do I get this Christ? He's the one who's come seeking and he's knocking at your door, the door of your heart. And he says, if any man will open the door, I will come in. And make my home with him. And my father and I will dine with him. In other words, you just simply, Lord Jesus, you have to pray. Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I want you. Please come into my life.
1: That's just a starting prayer.
0: It's a starting prayer. Because there's something else that's needed, which is repentance. Which means a turning of your life over to the Lord, or it's a turning around of your life and going opposite direction. Israel had lost God's covenants or promises, but God brought the ark back, his presence back. And when they surrendered afresh... He gave himself to them, and the nation became blessed again. So as you ask him into your life, just repent of living that independent life, living life on your own, your way, the way you thought, when God's right here wanting to give you his life.
1: Because he doesn't want anyone missing. Stones of remembrance.
0: We remember how great our salvation is. He who knew no sin
1: became sin for you and me today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your promises.
0: They are sure. They are certain. We can look back through history. And see how you worked. Heavenly Father, pour out your healing now
1: in hearts. Touch lives right now. with Your healing power. With compassion for those that mourn.
0: With love for those who are in fear. With vision for those who have no hope. Father, we just speak over your church afresh today. Hope, certainty that the promises of God
1: will be fulfilled. I thank you
0: that those who seek you find you. Father, we just want to seek you afresh today, right now. Just where you are. Just take a little bit of time and pray. What have you been seeking him about?
1: Are you seeking him? Because he is the answer. Jesus. 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 Just allow healing to fill your heart.
0: And the God who cares. I am the God who is with you. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. But my promises, I'm overseeing them. I am the God who is faithful. I am the God who is the healer, the provider, your good shepherd. I am your peace, I am the Lord your peace. you gave you prayed that prayer giving your life to the Lord you need to come up the front at the end of the service and there's people with badges red badges that pray with you and they'll explain more fully what salvation really means because I've just touched on it but if you need healing if you need to forgive someone You need to talk it out. You need to speak that out. And at the end of the service, I just say, you need to come forward and respond. Not because a man pressurizes you like now, I'm just putting an invitation before you. But rather than be something that's heavy, I say, just come to the end. But you know that your heart is beating faster. You know there's things you need to do. And in 1 John it says, if our hearts do not condemn us in the presence of God, we can ask him for anything. If your heart knows some things are wrong, ask God to forgive you so that you can ask him for whatever you need. It is for freedom. Christ set you free.